Hi guys, we're your hosts Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi friends, welcome to this week's Quickie, our super fast take on all the adulting things that matter to you. Today, we're diving to something we are super passionate about this year and something that our listeners voted as their number one focus for 2021, how to feel healthier. And we're not just talking about our physical health, we're talking mental and emotional health too. We asked you guys on Instagram how you're feeling about your overall health and what you're looking to improve on this year. And 62% of you are focusing on your mental health versus 38% on their physical health right now. And also 71% feel that the pandemic has negatively affected your health, which same. We get that. Yeah. Honestly, it's been a real eye-opener for me after I saw this quote. I brought it up in our goals episode, and it said, health is not the absence of sickness. Sickness is the absence of health. That was my wake-up call that it is time to take control because just just because I don't have any like serious dire sickness right now doesn't mean that I'm being yeah. healthy. And I realized I, I haven't been and I'm starting that's that's starting to catch up with me. So it's widely believed that there are four pillars that make up the good foundation of health. Those are nutrition, physical activity, sleep and stress management slash mental health. So today we are diving into eight ways to make small changes that will help improve all of those areas. And before we start, we of course have to say it, we are definitely not health experts. So please make sure you do consult your doctor if you're trying anything new. I mean, it's one of the most universal challenges we face as adults to take care of our health. And since it's both of our biggest goals this year, we've done a ton of research on how you can improve your life and we can improve our own lives. And so we just want to share it with you. But please do your due diligence, guys. No MD in front of our names, okay? No. <laughs> it's like that <laughs> meme that went around when people are on an airplane and it's just like, is there a doctor on the plane? And the mother reaches over and is like, ah, bet you wish you were a doctor and not a podcaster right now or like not a DJ oh. right now. <laughs> no one's asking for a podcaster, are they? <laughs> <laughs> so the very first and one of the most important aspects of health is prioritizing getting enough sleep. And when we polled you guys, 62% of you said you're definitely not getting eight hours of sleep at night. 39% of you are sleeping just fine. So good for you. Disregard. But clearly most of (laughs) us really need more shut-eye. And a good night's sleep can help with everything from emotional balance. I know personally, like, I'm a train wreck if I haven't had enough sleep in terms of my emotional capacity. Like, everything becomes devastating. I'm unstable. (laughs) Truly unstable. It also benefits your brain and heart health, your immune function, your creativity, vitality, your weight management. Honestly, it's the first thing that we sacrifice when shit gets busy, but no other activity delivers so many benefits with basically no effort. You just lie down and close your eyes. It's so true. It is the first thing to go, which is awful because even losing one hour of sleep can affect your ability to think properly and respond quickly, which we both have witnessed firsthand. And There's also a huge difference between getting the amount of sleep that you think you need and the amount of sleep that you actually need to function optimally. Mm -hmm. So I am totally guilty of being like, I can operate off six hours or five hours and almost like bragging about that. But oh my God, 
it is not true. When I get a full eight, I am literally a different human being. So spend that extra hour or two in bed. It will improve your life significantly. Yeah, we all know the goal is to get seven to nine hours of sleep, but that's truly easier said than done. How can we actually achieve this? If you really want to dive into that, listen back to episode eight, where we outline six tips on how to fall asleep fast. But the abbreviated version is trying to get a regular sleep schedule of when you wake up and when you go to bed, so you can just get into a natural circadian rhythm with your body. Watch Mm -hmm. your caffeine intake, so no coffee after 3 p.m. I already messed that up. Ah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's also really helpful to create a sleep sanctuary that's super cozy and that's dark. Like, truly Mm -hmm. invest in blackout curtains because it messes with your sleep cycle when the sun is in your eyeballs at 5 or 6 a.m. And make sure that your room is a cooler temperature because that's more conducive to quality sleep. And this is a tough one for me, but no devices before bed. So limit your exposure to blue light one to two hours before bed. Uh, And you can do that by having a nice little routine that you do that's device free. And if you do need some help establishing a relaxing bedtime ritual, you just basically got to do whatever you like to do to unwind before bed. So that could be reading a book, having some tea or some supplements like Calm Magnesium. It's this like delicious little powder. I've tried it. It it works. It really calms you down before bed. Mm -hmm. Sleepy teas or chamomile or even some CBD can help chill you out. Meditating is always good. I just moved into a a house that has a bathtub that I can actually fit in without like my tits hanging out in (laughs) the water, out of the water. It's so key. So maybe taking a bath with Epsom salts would be really lovely. They have tons of magnesium in them, which is just a natural muscle relaxant and just soothes your overall nervous system, which like we could all use, you know, calms anxiety. It does work (laughs) when I do the odd time that I actually do an Epsom salt bath because I'm sore and stressed, like getting from the bath to the bed is difficult for me because I've basically (laughs) knocked myself out and can't move. Jill's crawling, just soaking wet across the floor. I'm (laughs) soaked. I'm so red because I take baths that are way too hot. And then I wake up the next day and I don't know what year it is. It's great. (laughs) Honestly, it's key. It's such a game changer. I love it. And then essential oils too. Also very helpful. You can also throw some of that in your bath. Lavender is really good for promoting sleep. So There's a ton of things. You just got to find what you love. It's basically a self-care routine before bed. Yeah. This next one is something I really needed to hear years ago. And I wish I'd started taking this seriously before I was basically 30. But you got to drink water. Coming from a perpetually dehydrated person, drinking more water (laughs) is life-changing. You should be aiming to drink half your body weight in ounces every day. And there are so many wild ways that water makes you a better human. Even mild levels of dehydration can fuck with your mood and your brain function, your cognitive alertness. It can make you more tired if you're dehydrated. You lose focus. You can't concentrate. You're not alert. And it messes with your short-term memory, which explains a lot, if you know me. And then there's this big one that has me kicking myself from my own decades of dehydration, (laughs) which is that water is the best anti-aging strategy there is. It is linked to better skin hydration, less dryness, plumper, full skin, all the factors that leave you with beautiful, youthful looking skin, which is in terms of vanity, the number one reason why I'm drinking more water these days. Oh, same. I I can notice it even in like my body, like my legs and my butt look nicer when I've had like three liters of water consistently. Yeah. I'm chugging. Oh, I'm chugging. Hang on. Water break. (laughs) That's good. But hydration also plays a huge part in solving digestive problems too. So if you're drinking lots of water, it's probably going to help you stay regular, which is 
very key. Mm -hmm. And if you are lucky enough to suffer from the absolute brutalness of UTIs, the worst. some studies say that good hydration can also help prevent them. So get on that. Which leads us to our next topic. Fuck diet culture and start eating for what your body needs. Yes. So in our poll, 52% of you said you feel good about your nutrition, which is amazing, while 48% still feel like they could use some help. Yeah, half of half of us are struggling with proper nutrition, and I completely yeah. understand why. The number one, I feel like most important thing I've realized in the past, I'd say two years, is that it's really just unsubscribing to diet culture and realizing that eating looks completely different for someone who has to eat for heart health versus a hormonal mm-hmm. imbalance or insulin regulation versus someone with food sensitivities. So what's healthy for one person can be more harmful for another person. The best mm-hmm. way to take control of your nutrition and your health is truly to figure out what works for your body with a doctor and naturopath and through trial and error. Do the testing and research, figure out what you need for optimal nourishment. And if you feel crappy all the time, take a food sensitivity test. It's changed my sister's life to really figure out like what foods she was sensitive to and wasn't processing well because they made her feel like crap. And if you're mm-hmm. consuming something that doesn't jive well with your body, it's, it's really going to have health implications. Someone eating for their heart health is advised to stay away from foods that are high dairy, that are fatty, cheesy, mm-hmm. red meat, but they could like guzzle i mean in moderation bread and grains and be totally fine but if you're eating for a hormonal imbalance and pcs like i'm right now learning to cheese is thankfully no problem but starchy foods with a lot of natural sugars like grains and sweet potatoes like for example i used to just load up on those um like quinoa bowls that would have like a lot of sweet potatoes on them and like all these other things that are not bad for you at all but that actually wasn't great for me there's no one-size-fits-all solution. So unlearn those toxic parts of diet culture and just try to fall in love with foods that are good for you. That's what I'm doing with the help of Kaylin, yeah. who so kindly got me a book all about, it's Otto Lange's <laughs> book, all about vegetables, which was so nice because I was telling her that I really want to focus less on like, don't eat these foods, like less restriction, mm-hmm. less depriving and more fall in love with nourishing foods. Because if I'm yes. eating more nourishing foods that are really good for my specific body, then I'm filling up on that and I'm less likely to reach for things that I've previously focused on restricting. Totally. There's, a, I mean, there's a whole like mental health aspect towards food. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said that because I really used to like obsess over tracking all my meals, my calories, my macros, and was like very obsessive about what I was putting into my body. And I mean, at the root of it, I was trying to be super healthy, but I mean, too much of anything is is not good. So in the past like year, year and a half, I've really leaned into what I guess is called intuitive eating, which is essentially a philosophy of eating that makes you just the expert of your body and your hunger signals and just knowing what you need, basically what you were saying before. And it has changed my relationship with food. So like I took all my knowledge from what I learned before when I was like very much into dieting and trying new like keto diets and all that kind of stuff and just apply it to, okay, what do I need today? Is my body telling me I need more, I don't know, vegetables or am I craving sugar? Cool. So yeah, I'll have some chocolate, but then I'll also have some fruit or something like that. And it's basically finding that healthy balance between what you need and what you know is going to fuel you and what's good for you. So yeah, sometimes that's cheese and chocolate with like a little side salad. But you know what? I'm serving that up with zero guilt. So yes, that's so great. Also, 
the one thing that is for sure for all of us is that gut health, which has just been like a very long overlooked topic, is just becoming very buzzy, Mm -hmm. not in a trend based way, but like I think science is really starting to focus on the importance of gut health since it's a really key component in our overall health. Our health literally depends on the way our food is broken down, the way that our nutrients are delivered through our body, and how our gut communicates to our brains through hormones. So we're finally realizing how important it is to maintain a good digestive system, healthy bacteria. So pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. And you can tell if you're having a lot of digestive or gastrointestinal issues that there's probably something going on in your gut. So that's a good good way to check. And then if you are on any antibiotics, that can also wipe out both the good and bad germs. So talk to your naturopath or your doctor if you have been prescribed any antibiotics so they can make sure that you're monitoring that good, good gut flora that you need in there. And like a naturopath might get you on some probiotics if, if yeah. that's a good solution for you, which I've definitely been prescribed and probably need to remember to take tonight and every night. Next up, let's start exercising for pleasure and not punishment. Yes. So when it comes to working out, you guys reported in our polls that half of you are killing it and working out three or more times a week. Well done. And the other half is struggling to get exercise in right now, which I really relate to. I've been struggling a lot with that as well because all of my favorite workouts pre-COVID were in-person classes that I loved going Mm -hmm. to. I loved the community. I loved my studio degree and my L Fitness. And I just kind of needed to like pay for something, have to go there, show up and commit to it and pre-schedule it in order to get my ass into gear. That was the only way that I exercised. So with that gone and without commuting and honestly with no reason to leave the house much in the past six months, I've really been struggling and seen a huge decline in my overall fitness so that's been a big focus I signed up for a a 30-day January challenge paid for it and have done it every day and that's really helping but you got to find what works for you yeah and I mean that's the key it's it's getting into a solid workout groove that's doable and something you actually enjoy so good on you way to invest in yourself and actually pay for the course but it's key because like if you hate doing a hit workout or, or any sort of high impact workout but you love yoga stop doing the burpees and roll out the mat like that's that's the key mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what the workout is just as long as it's something you enjoy doing you're gonna reap the benefits from it so just just get moving I mean, we tend to overthink how hardcore our exercises need to be Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, like if we're not doing like a heavy weight session or like a full blown hour hit session, like then then it doesn't even matter. But any sort of movement is the point of all of this. And don't underestimate the power of micro exercise. This was super encouraging for me because there's some days when they're so busy. And so it's like, well, if I can't do that hour long workout, I'm just not going to do anything at all. Right. But research shows you don't have to work out for an hour to get in the benefits of exercise they show that even a few minutes like even 10 minutes of exercise can give you the same health benefits of a full-blown workout so try to just move around throughout the day even if it's a 10-minute walk or taking a phone call and walking around or just like taking a dance break or a stretch (laughs) break you'll reap the benefits of all of those yeah and speaking of walking it's probably one of the most underrated forms of exercise. And because of this lockdown and, and finding it really hard to get motivated to do like a hit class at, at home or any sort of like online online class, I've been walking a lot more and it has been so great for my mood. And like, of course, it, it's helping me keep in shape too. But the mood part of it is really 
what's key. And psychologists have found that a 10 minute walk can be just as good as a 45 minute workout when it comes to relieving symptoms of anxiety. So Hmm. get walking guys. It really does help. My my grandma's main goal every day was always to do 10,000 steps, which yes. I didn't even grasp because I didn't used to count steps when I was younger. I'd be like, go grandma. Like she's just rolling on by doing laps around the That's house. Amazing. It was amazing. And now that I actually count my steps, I'm like... I don't hit 10,000 often these days. Like I'm, I'm, it's a good day if I've hit 4,000. She was in her 90s doing 10,000 a day. And I truly think that's why she lived to essentially 100. That was so good for her. Yeah, there's actual science behind the 10,000 steps that it is just good for your, your overall health. Um, It is Mm -hmm. hard, especially when you're stuck at home. I I try to hit 10,000 steps. I try to make that my like non-negotiable. And to me, that's my, that's considered a workout for me. I'm not like killing myself to to try to do more than that. Helps when you have a dog, but you can also make it fun and go for a walk with a friend or reward yourself and go to like a really cute local coffee shop and get a nice latte. And if you're really trying to get into to walking or even running, listening to a podcast is such a good way to just sort of like lose yourself. Um, especially mm-hmm. if it's like a 20 to 45 minute one, you could just walk halfway to the midpoint of the episode and then turn back around. I highly recommend Teach Me How to Adult Podcast <laughs> for your walk. If we can make a recommendation. <laughs> it's really great. One of my best friends, she's, she's the best. She and her boyfriend go for walks around the city and they each wear a headphone and they listen to this podcast and it gives me life. It's really, really cute. Yay. Also like getting out in nature. There's so, so, so much science to support the benefits of nature and moving around in nature. So... That can really, really help. Just a quick side note. I don't know why, but sometimes I like to challenge myself. And if I'm going grocery shopping, I'll, I'll like stretch it. I'll walk to the farthest grocery store, fill my cart to the point where I'm uncomfortably walking with like maybe 45 pounds of groceries. But I, I just like challenge myself. I'm like, girl, you can do it. I, I've got like lines on my wrists from the bags. Like it's hardcore. Maybe that's a little unhealthy. I don't know. So my best friend's a masochist. <laughs> this has been good information. You're hardcore, man. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of walking, that brings us to our next point, which is take a break from sitting. I know like there's so many clickbaity articles that are like, why sitting is killing you. So, I mean, we've all kind of heard the deal about sitting this, is the new smoking, sitting is the new smoking and all that shit. But truly, what, during all of the stay at home orders around the world, we're all at home and not moving very much and working behind a desk from nine to five can be brutal. And our non-ergonomic work-from-home setups are also just really shitty for our postures. Mm -hmm. There's also a new study that found the people who work out and then sit all day after they exercise are at the same risk of the same negative health issues as people who aren't hitting the gym at all, which just sucks. That's so shitty. Oh, I'm so guilty of that. It's the long periods of sitting with no physical break that they they do a number on you. And it's... It's pretty easy to combat that, like to get up and move a few times a day. So if you find that you are stuck at your desk, try taking your calls and walking around the room or your apartment or the yard or the building. Have a quick little dance party. Do some jumping jacks. And I've said this before, but I've programmed my Alexa to tell me to do squats and push-ups every hour, like 10 squats, 10 push-ups, that's it. And obviously I skip it sometimes, but when I do hear it and I do have time for that break, it's so helpful. So use your tech, you know? And you kind of touched on this, getting a more ergonomic workspace is so key. We just ordered a stand-up desk off Amazon, and it's been so helpful at getting us, you know, out of our chairs. Yeah, I need to start standing more, for sure. I'm a, I'm a sitter, no <laughs> doubt. I'm a sitter. <laughs> Slowly dying. And then number six is one of our faves, 
focusing on our mental health. So, so important right now. So important. And the majority of our listeners said that they were focusing on their mental health right now for 2021. And we were really, really sad to see that 68% said that they feel stressed and anxious most of the time, while just 32% feel mostly happy and calm. I mean, yeah. I, I am totally in that bucket too. It just, so it's helpful to know I'm not alone, but I, I really hope we can all work together to flip that because... No one should live a life it's like that. It's not great. Yeah. No. And it's no surprise. We're like, we are in a mental health crisis right now. Yeah. And we have been for a while. And it's just been exacerbated by the anxiety and isolation of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But clearly, the numbers show that none of us are in this alone. Both Kaylin and I are dealing with those same stressed, anxious feelings. And there is a lot that we can do to feel a bit better each day, even when you feel like just sinking into a negative mental health space because you just don't have the energy or the will to make these small changes, I promise you, you'll feel better even if you just do one, one thing yeah. to make a good change. It's so true. I'm I'm ruthlessly trying to prioritize, like setting strict boundaries with people who just don't lift me up. And I mean, mm-hmm. getting enough sleep, it helps mm-hmm. my mood so much personally. And then just getting honest with yourself has been probably the hardest part for me of just admitting when I'm not okay and letting Jill know and letting Gabe know so that they can help me be my best self because it can be hard. I tend to recluse when I'm upset and like to the point where like Gabe the other day came into our bedroom it was like 3 p.m and the lights were off and he was like are you okay? So it's it's really important to talk to your friends um, and your loved ones if you are struggling and then of course seek professional help. There is nothing wrong with doing it and it's it's so easy to make excuses about the time or the money but it is really really important yeah and there's no no shame in seeking professional help I mean people are just getting real about not being okay there's no shame in getting help or in getting on medication if that is the right path for you honestly taking care of your mental health is the most adult thing that you can do it is the highest form of self-care and maybe you only need to talk to someone a few times just to to get on the right track and get some strategies in place. Like, just take that plunge mm-hmm. because it might only be three times or you might end up wanting weekly sessions with a therapist, which can hugely change your life. But do some research and find out what type of therapy would benefit you if you're going to go this route, because there's a lot of different kind of streams of therapy. There's psychologists who aim to improve your overall well-being and mental health through a bunch of different psychotherapy methods. There's CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and that really helps you examine and take control of your thoughts and your thought patterns. And they equip Mm -hmm. you with these tactical tools that allow you to, it's like less about going through your individual past and your individual issues and more about like, let's examine your thought patterns and like the way you might self-sabotage and like give you some practical advice on that. Mindfulness-based therapy is is a great tool for anyone who is already kind of leaning into mindfulness mm-hmm. into like the present moment. And there's psychodynamic therapy, which is a Freudian look at examining family origins and pasts to explain all of the behaviors and patterns that might be affecting you now. And I bring all of those up just to show you how many different kind of threads there are yeah. because I've done different types of therapy. I've seen a number of different therapists and I feel like if people have an experience that didn't move the needle or that they didn't deem successful, they just give up on therapy and they're like, nope, it's just not for me. It just didn't work for me. But 
I've had mind blowing sessions and I've had sessions that I walked away from being like, well, there's a fucking waste of 150 bucks. (laughs) And that's not every session is going to be incredible and not every therapist will be for you. It's okay to shop around. Like it's an investment and you do have to do the work, but it can absolutely change your life. I've had therapists that have helped me solve for like existential crises and anxieties around like death and the meaning of life and my belief systems. Like I figured out I'm a pantheist and like my spirituality and all of these crazy things. And then I've had mindfulness based tools that were really tactical on ways to like come into the present moment if I'm feeling really anxious. And I've done like Myers-Briggs personality type sessions, which was trying to understand my predispositions and my personality types and why I seek certain types of things and behave in certain types of ways. And I've had sessions that I hated because it was like time after time, just like talking to my inner younger child. And I'm like, dude, if I have to talk to seven-year-old Jill one more time, I'm going to punch her in the face. I can't do this. And then I got a new therapist because I wasn't aligned with that method. And a lot, it works for tons of people. Like I understand it's self-compassion and self-love, but the point is there's there's so many ways to examine who you are and where you're at like that psychodynamic family therapy one Mm -hmm. I kind of thought that was like a bunch of fluff like why would I want to examine family history to understand myself now and then understanding the the repercussions of war and Mm. like immigrant families and all these situations of scarcity and how those behaviors can be passed down and how like intergenerational trauma can affect people who didn't experience war or immigration or any of those things it actually is really fascinating and it might not be for you and it might not be what you want right now but there's so many tools and I think it's so key that you bring that up because I'm so guilty of just having like one therapy session and then giving up on it because I just I didn't like the therapist tactics or methods that they were using that for their psychotherapy but it's so important it's trial and error it's trial and error and I'm going yeah. through that right now I had one that I liked and then she wasn't really working with for me anymore so now I'm on the hunt for a new one so you can also outgrow a therapist too and set boundaries one of my really good friends was kind of like admonishing me because I'm like I don't like how my therapist is doing this and she's like did you tell them you don't like it I'm like no that's so awkward and she's like but you're paying them for a service and you're not getting anything out of it why wouldn't you just tell them Mm -hmm. this isn't working for me can we try something else I'm like damn you're right. Absolutely. My my friend is a therapist and she said that to me too when I was starting out in therapy again. She was like, make sure you give them feedback because they mm-hmm. need it too. And it'll just make them a better therapist in the long run. So don't be afraid to be honest with the person you're talking to. And then if you do want to discuss medication, that's something that you would do with a psychiatrist. So if you're wondering the difference between psychiatrist, psychologist, that's basically the distinction right there. And then there's group therapy, which can still be available virtually right now or in person in some places. And that's great if you're looking to heal with a community of people that might be facing similar struggles that you have. Beyond enlisting the help of the pros, connection is more important than ever right now. So FaceTime a friend, call your family, send letters to distant friends, and just find ways to reach out to the people that know and love you and let them know if you're struggling. Because honestly, just based on the polls, 60% chance that they're probably feeling the same way as you. That's so true. And even if you only tell one person that you love that you're struggling, do it. Like, please tell someone. Do not do this on your own. And you can set up what you need. You can say, hey, I don't need you to do anything. I'm not asking you for anything. I just 
want to tell someone that like things aren't great right now, but we can check in with each other regularly. Even if we just send you some funny memes, you yeah. know, we laughter is a powerful tool and like laughter can be part of the mental health toolbox that you establish. Yes. We've talked about this before, but you can have this toolbox and this emotional bank account that you fill with all of the things that can really help pull you out of a bad state. So put in the work and identify those top things that can help you get to a better state if you're depressed or spiraling or have severe anxiety and those can be meditation or journaling or like escaping into comedy and things that make you smile spending time with animals has been a huge one for some people i know doing something creative getting more sleep doing a digital detox know those like positive triggers that can really help you and pull them in when you need to one of the biggest ones, we talk about moving and exercise in terms of your physical health, mm-hmm. but it's one of the best things you can do for your mental health, especially if you can get outside in nature while you do it. I mean, the Japanese figured out forest bathing way before we did and how much it helps your mental health to be in a forest and to be in nature. I was listening to uh, a recent podcast with Brene Brown, Dax Shepard and Tim Ferriss, all of whom are like ten icons 10. to me. Yeah. Like, brilliant. And Brene asked all of them, what's the number one thing in your toolbox that you would not give up for your well-being, like for your mental well-being? Mm. And I was expecting it was going to be like therapy or I don't know, like my partner or whatever. Every single one of them said movement. And they said that if they didn't regularly move and exercise, that they'd all of them be in a really bad place. Brene was like, if I didn't swim, I don't know what I would do. Dak Shepard was like, if I didn't work out, I would literally still be an addict. It's so true. It's powerful. Movement is powerful. It literally releases endorphins. I've I've experienced that firsthand. And speaking of endorphins, if you want to get moving, another great way to do that is through sex or masturbation, mm-hmm. both of which also release endorphins, dopamine, oxytocin, all the good things that you need to feel better. So there's funner things to pump than weights, you know? <laughs> oh my quote of the day moving on (laughs) so then there's vitamins getting smart about vitamins can really be a game changer definitely consult your doctor before you take any new vitamins or supplements but if you do find that you're just feeling crummy you're not feeling yourself something is off and you've tried some different things and nothing's really working ask your doctor to do a blood test and see if you have any deficiencies look into vitamin b and c and d levels And if you're feeling really weak, tired, a weakened immune system, it could be an iron deficiency, which is one of the most common deficiencies, especially for women. Mm -hmm. Um, It affects more than 25% of people worldwide. So look into that. But talk to your doctor specifically for this one because you should never supplement with iron unless you really need it. Too much iron can be harmful. And last, but probably one of the most important ones on this list, find your health team. So book appointments that you should or need to have with various doctors and specialists throughout the year. It's so important and we always talk about self-care, but what about self-maintenance? It's way less sexy, but way more important work Mm -hmm. of taking care of your body and your mind behind the scenes without candles, without bubble bath. (laughs) Like this is the shit that will keep you going. And it's honestly for me been one of the biggest moves into being a full-blown adult booking your own appointments like I really miss when my mom used to book my dentist and my my eye doctor and all of those things and you know you're officially an adult when all of a sudden like none of them get booked and you're like oh right (laughs) I have to do these things now I have to advocate for my own health it's so important and it's a huge challenge I'm finding for a lot of my friends and a lot of millennials is finding a go-to primary doctor 
Uh, a lot of people are having troubles nailing one down. And if you got a good one, hold on to them. And if you don't, ask for recommendations from your network. Having a good doctor is so important. It, it really is. I'm on the hunt for one right now. And it is, it's so important. And 63% of you have seen a doctor in the last 1.5 years. So that's good. But there's still 37% of you who haven't seen one in over two years. And those stats are a, che- a general checkup. Like not just like, oh, I have a cold or I have like a weird scab. I'm one of those people who hasn't had a general checkup in over two years. Like that's not great. But we're changing that, right? In terms of your health team, number one, make sure you've got that doctor. Schedule your annual physical and, and just make sure you're doing that every year. And number two, ladies, make sure you're taking care of your lady bits and schedule at least one gyno exam every year, depending on your age, your sexual activity, and your history. Also, dentist. You're supposed to be seeing one twice a year, every six months, which is, whoops, (laughs) I haven't, but room for improvement. (laughs) I know. If you have any eye issues or ongoing prescriptions or even just eye strain from sitting in front of your computer all day, you should be seeing an eye doctor every year. And beyond those must-dos, start dealing with those aches and pains and low-energy nutrition questions with a chiropractor or a physiotherapist or a massage therapist. Seriously, like your old future you will thank young present you for taking care of those injuries and chronic pains now because they can compound if you don't get your shit together. And a naturopath or a nutritionist for any of the things that we talked about in this episode. And you can check if your employer offers any benefits to cover these appointments, but... Even if they don't, like I know that's held me back when I've been freelance. I'm like, oh, I'll just wait till one day I have benefits and do all those things. What else are you going to invest your money in if not yourself? So true. If you have your health, you have everything. My grandma always said that and she's right. You got to put you first. I know this sounds like a lot of work, but honestly, we have the time right now. We have this like strange moment in time, this great chance to just like focus inwards and take control of yourself and put all of your energy into like being your best self and being your healthiest self. So make this the year of you. I love that. The year of you. So we hope that this episode helps you prioritize your health because you deserve to feel your best. Stay healthy, friends. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.